So I am uh, quite frustrated, a little pissed, um, as I'm sure you are in the rest of the NFL world. Um, the Sean Taylor tributes no. have been a part of the st- a storyline with Washington for like what the last five years. They've done various different things, failed at every turn, and they failed yet again. Quick recap for anyone who doesn't know: Sean Taylor was a Pro Bowl All Pro safety for Washington. Years and years ago in the early 2000s, he was killed on a, a robbery in his home. Uh, maybe I think it might have been like 07 or 08 when it happened. Uh, I don't remember the exact year. But anyway, years ago, Mark, they invited the family out. You remember this with Jackson Mahomes dancing on the logo. That was just the, last year. Or that was last year. Okay. I thought it may have so been they, two years ago. But so just last year, they did that. They they screwed it up because apparently it wasn't even made a big deal. They were supposed to do a halftime ceremony for it. It ended up being about 15 seconds of recognition of the family and his number there on the sidelines. And then fast forward to yesterday where they were building this whole thing up about how they were unveiling this statue right in on the concourse or inside the venue and they do the unveiling and you could already tell the people who were doing doing the unveiling were like, all right, we need to get out of here. Like they, <laughs> they tore the thing off and just walked oh, away. Please. It's a hollow. It's, it's not a, a you can't, can't call it a statue. It's hollow. It's a it's mannequin, mannequin with uh not even the full mannequin. It's got the uh the 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 stripes, basically, the metal striping. Wire mesh. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was atrocious. And then someone posted a video or a, a photo. I think this was from before as well, not yesterday, of the family taking a picture in front of Sean Taylor Drive, where they were dedicating the road to him. And the picture was taken in front of a row of porta potties, because that's what they had set up behind the street sign. I mean, good God, dude! This absolute fail left and right. I never heard about the porta potty one. I, I mean, yeah, in context for anyone, I mean. Sean Taylor, when he was killed, was one of the best football players in the league. He was building a Hall of Fame level career. He was the last of that, you know, Ed Reed, Troy Palomalo. He was part of that prime generation of like the last of the big hitting safeties when you could still hit the way the 80s and 70s, 80s and 90s NFL really played the game. Um, a, a Sean Taylor wouldn't work in today's game. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is what well, I think it's even more embarrassing is the fact that if you were going to do this, they did and they made, you know, if they had made the decision to like, hey, we want to do something different and like cool or unique and make that argument, they didn't even go 100% to that. It's like they did a half ass C plus job at making the statue. Now, they're saying, hey, it's a statue, but it's not really a statue, but we think you're going to like it. it's going to be cool. I could see them making the argument for that, but then they, they, they didn't even fulfill that if that's what their defense is. Cause it's a Nike Jersey. Sean play, Taylor did not play in the era of Nike having the jerseys. Right. Right. Uh, the, you know, the helmet is the wrong, uh, wrong era. I think of helmet. And then someone well, else. Yeah. Said, I think they were saying it was a Reebok helmet, yeah. a Nike Jersey and Adidas cleats or something like you know, that. The cleats are literally soccer cleats. They're not NFL cleats. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's someone pointed out there like they are so, they're like you you couldn't even go to the vault and be like, hey, we're gonna get some of Sean Taylor's game worn stuff. You couldn't I'm sure there's a game worn jersey that they could get their hands on and be like, we're gonna put a mannequin in it, like preserve a game worn jersey with the real grass on it, a blood stain, 
you know, you could have gone all out and done something cool. Like, Hey, we're not doing a, it's a take on a, on a, you know, on a statue without having a statue, but just, just do a statue. Like, yeah. What's wrong with that? No, like, I agree. I agree. They the should have. Uh, they should have, but they can't even they they can't even make the argument that hey, we want to do something different. They have right. their different version of it. It is embarrassing, and again. It's one of those things like as a fan of a uh, you're lucky you're a fan of a franchise that has great ownership that's historic that understands how to not be an embarrassment you know what I mean they may have not a great team this year but uh it, it's a they they are a professional organization the the Chicago Bears are like the the dumb family version of the Steelers right historic they're somewhat a profession, but they run a professional organization. They're not like a clown show, right? They're just yeah, bad. People still want to go work there. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. bad at, at producing a good football team. Dan Snyder's Washington, you know, tenure is, is the worst of the worst. It's a historic franchise that a new owner has completely ruined. And in doing so, not only do you have all this behind the scenes, like sexual misconduct, sexual assaults, a horrible workplace uh, environment, but also you can't even get like the, like the non, like, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff that's supposed to be like easy for you to hit home runs, build a statue uh, under a great play, fumble that stuff. It's literally like, they're like the Michael Scott version of the office only with all the, you know, mixed in with Prince Andrew. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's, 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 it's tough. I mean, being a Washington fan has got to be tough or moments like that because Sean Taylor I mean, I love Sean Taylor. He's a great player, but there are, I'm sure there are Washington fans who are like, no, Sean Taylor is like my favorite player ever because right, of what right. he did, the way his life tragically ended uh, in the prime of his career. And that is just adding more like insult to injury, uh, being a fan of the franchise. It's, it is brutal, but a good win for the commanders on the field. It was, it was a good win for the commanders on the field. That's for sure. But yeah, just absolute gross negligence uh, from the ownership across the board on this thing. Cause the, the lack of a, there's, there's no excuse at this point either. Kind of to your point. Uh, they've had three different, if I'm to believe that the street sign incident was at a different time, which I believe it was, that's three occasions that you've yeah. completely fumbled in the public eye. To me, that just clearly shows that a total lack of caring. Like, oh yeah, it, you just you don't even care. Like that's it's literally a toddler being given a franchise essentially, and just walking around and throwing stuff around. I mean, they've had awful facilities for ho however long. They had you know last year with the uh, stands falling apart. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, right. nothing is being getting done right in this place. Yeah. Like, that I would be surprised if the concessions brutal. have like mold in them or something. Well, I will add to this. I mean, it just goes to show you again. Um, there are moments that are bad, right? Like there are moments that franchises have that aren't great. Every franchise has gaps. I think about my own franchise. Like the Bears had uh, someone in the Bears organization invited um newly signed quarterback uh long neck why can't i think of his name mike glennon uh, mike Lee. To the draft party at the stadium with like the fans and all this fun and then they draft mitchell trubisky like that's a bad moment but you could argue well 
those two sides of the organization, like they, you know what I mean? Like they, they you know, it's a bad moment, but you don't know how the draft's going to go and the football side versus the day-to-day operation side. The, the yeah, sure. commanders just go to show like whoever's running their day-to-day, like it's not the general manager, or the coach, they're in charge of the Sean Taylor, you know what I mean? Memorial. It is someone who's the president of day-to-day operations or whatever, whoever is in those positions that Dan Snyder has hired, they are like inept at their job. If they've screwed it up this many times, like inept. it's, it's insane. It's like, I just can't believe it. Um, but yeah, I just needed a vent there to start the show here on the football lounge as we do our, our week 12 recaps. Um, because that, that just stood out to me as, as really crazy. Uh, it was an interesting week. Cause uh, you know, we were just talking before the show started, Mark, that, uh, you know, there weren't a whole lot of like great matchups to really talk about. Um, yeah. Next week, there's going to be a lot of good ones. Huge and week. really the rest of the season when you get the, yeah. the, the nitty gritty of these divisional matchups and things like that. But there were a lot of like interesting storylines that maybe weren't even necessarily game related to come out of this past week. So I'm interested to talk about those. Um, a primary one I, we don't need to spend too much time on, but OBJ, oh. uh, very interesting uh, reason to be in the news this week. Uh, that he was uh, removed from a flight uh, because they were saying he was refusing to put on a seatbelt. His attorney came back and said, basically clap back to say what happened was he fell asleep at the start before seatbelts were supposed to be put on. They didn't ask him to put on the seatbelt. They just woke him up and lambasted him for not having a seatbelt and then kicked him off the flight saying that he refused because they wanted to grandstand. Who knows what's actually the truth here in this point? I could see someone trying to big man uh, a big time, uh, you know, OBJ because they could. But also at the same time, I could see OBJ just kind of being difficult uh, for no reason. So we don't know what really happened. But interesting way for him to kind of get into the uh, the stratosphere of NFL news. Uh, still not on a team either. So, yeah, that, that was interesting, I thought. Not on a team for long. I do think the Cowboys are ripe to sign OBJ, and, and I don't think this will hinder his getting signed by the Cowboys. But I believe the airline, I mean, the original reports I read was the airline it was leaked that the he was in and out of consciousness. I mean, let's be honest. He, he's in Miami. It's Miami. It's, it's not like he was leaving San Antonio, you know what I mean, from a training session uh, or a boring city. It's not like he was just in, you know, uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. You know, it's it's like you're probably there. You're having a good time. You're leaving Miami on your way to L.A. And listen, it's one of those things. Not above the rules, OBJ. Not above the rules. And I'm sure it quickly turned into someone realizing, maybe in a little bit of grandstanding. But uh, it is. It's not a great headline for OBJ. I don't think it will. There may he may have lost out on one team. Like there might be one team that looks at this and goes, all right. We might we were we were looking at OBJ. Maybe we're going to offer him something. Maybe this this turned off one general manager or something. But I don't think it hurt the chances of him really joining a team this year. But um, uh, you know, it's I, I have a hard time believing Odell Beckham Jr. I got to be honest. He's not a B. He's not like a crazy person that way. But you know, it doesn't take much for me to imagine that um, the what the airlines are saying. Difficult. Yeah, what the airlines were saying was probably the true story. Another interesting, very bizarre story to come out of the Cleveland game uh, with the Bucks at, at Cleveland. Someone apparently stole a truck, um, wow. a stadium truck, yeah. and drove and did donuts on the field before the game. 
So there were hash marks or, or donut marks, if you will, uh, tire marks uh, all throughout a portion of the field before the game even started. They had it inspected and said it was okay to, to play on. But what, what, was, uh, what was going on? It's just the holiday spirit. Everyone getting a little, little frisky on this uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know. It was a uh, it was a Ohio State fan who was very upset and he was just trying to get all of football canceled in the state of Cleveland on that day. I think that it, it or is- perhaps an upset Clemson fan, because let me tell you out here in uh, South Carolina country, the Gamecocks t- uh, overthrowing the Tigers. Uh, see, that was pretty intense. Huge ups. Um, it, it, it was a great college football weekend. It was I watched every minute of Ohio State, Michigan and uh uh, it was it was t- a terrific, terrific college football weekend. We don't talk a ton of college football on the show. I will say though, I'm very much looking forward to. I think the top four in the country right now. The reveal should be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. Yeah. And as long as all four of those teams win conference championship week, I think that is your that's your college football playoff right there. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, USC has been has had an accelerated growth that I don't think yeah. even we anticipated. They deserve right? a shot. I mean, they deserve their shot to get blown out by Georgia. They deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do you think Caleb Williams, do you think he's the uh, the, uh, the surefire Heisman or what? He would be, I think he's your Heisman. I think he'd be the number one pick in the draft this year. Um, I think he'll be the number one pick in the draft next year for sure. Uh, as of right yeah, now, yeah. projection projecting it out. He he looks like a bigger Kyler Murray. I mean, he looks like a a, a, a professional. A, he looks like a professional. He really know. does. I mean, and he moves the way he moves is Kyler Murray. Uh, uh, you know, kind of Patrick Mahomes esque. He's not Justin Fields. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not uh you know uh uh Hertz. But he he's he might be like Herbert. You know, yeah. similar to Herbert. Well, he's 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 not as big as Herbert. He's he's like a big right, Kyler Murray. Right. I think it's really the only yeah. way to put it. I don't think he's got like the Josh R- Allen like rocking arm, but I, I really do think he's like a thicker, couple inches taller Kyler Murray. It, it's very fa- fun to watch him play football in that Lincoln Riley system. Um, and I think C.J. Stroud's draft uh, stock took a little bit of a hit this weekend. And um, and you know, for Bryce Young, I think it. it, it you know, not playing in the biggest games and, and maybe having a stinker against Georgia or one of those good defenses in the playoffs might actually help his draft stock. Yeah, yeah, that, that very well could be. You know, all, all it takes a lot of times is, uh, you know, a game or two. I mean, uh, who? how is his name? Uh, Jadavian Clowney, I was going to say, was is like the poster child of that. The one hit against Michigan that was played over and over and over again probably bumped him up to that number one draft spot uh, simply because of one play, let alone one game, one play got him there. So yeah, a lot can happen. Spencer Rattler. I mean, the past two weeks, really, he's probably, no, he's most likely on him. I think in the third or fourth round, maybe I'm not saying I I've never been a Spencer Rattler, you know, uh, fan in terms of NFL prospect. He was like, well, you're, you're going to be, a yeah, but even then I didn't, I, I didn't see it and I still don't see it, but I'm saying the past two weeks though, is going to get him drafted a lot higher than he should just based. If he, if he were to declare after this year, um, a, a win over Tennessee and Clemson and the way he performed in those games, uh, is, is going to do a lot for his draft stock. I agree. So I, I, tend, I know we're talking, there's no need for us to talk draft right now. Um, uh, but I will, I will say that, um, he, 
Spencer, the Spencer Rattler type quarterbacks, I think are also getting even more of a hit from what we're seeing with the Jets and Zach Wilson. Any guy who seems to be a little bit bigger than themselves, kind of like too cool for school type of look attitude type of thing. I think they're all like Zach Wilson is hurting them even more because you could have made the argument that Zach Wilson wasn't Johnny Manziel. He wasn't Baker Mayfield, but he still is in that kind of realm of like pretty boy, too cool for school type of type of guy. He's in the category. for sure. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's going to hurt the Spencer Rattlers and the, the, you know, the guy, as far as being top draft picks. Now, does it mean you not take a flyer on a guy in the second, third, fourth round because he's got a lot of arm talent? And you think if you, especially if you, are, you feel like you already have maybe an established starter. But uh, yeah, I I absolutely think the Zach Wilson story is another reminder to NFL GMs that it's a lot more like being a quarterback in the NFL is so much about being the guy in the room and way more than just having an arm talent like Mahomes. Yes. Yes. hundred uh, percent. Let's get to Thanksgiving games. Shall we? How yeah. weekend? Good stuff. Um, the game slate uh, wasn't good. It usually is never good, but we were treated to a couple interesting games and some no. uh, theatrical finishes and whatnot. So we'll start with the Buffalo bills getting a three point win on the road uh, in oh. Detroit, they're in Ford Field. So two wins for them in five days. This one, a 28-25 win. Back-to-back uh, -back games in Detroit there for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, this one really came down to uh, the Lions, once again, kind of proving what we've thought about them for a while, is that they're a little frisky. They're a little, uh, you know, tough to crack at times. They're 4-7 and seven now. They were 4-6 and six coming into the game. But it was a... Uh, Tie-breaking 45-yard field goal by Tyler Bass at the end of the game with two seconds left. That gives the Bills the win, and so it was a tie game there going into that final stretch, but uh, Josh Allen able to, to help get the team there and, and, and get it done uh, for the Bills. So despite the slim margin of victory, I take it that we're not too concerned about Buffalo um, other than maybe what we've been concerned about for you know a variety of reasons throughout the season was that maybe they are a little bit too one-dimensional at times. The Von um, Miller injury has me a little concerned. That's a good point, actually. Forgot to mention that. That is a that's actually a big that's a big deal. I will yeah, say yeah. though, I do feel good about Buffalo right now. Get little win streak going. Um, they have Thursday night football coming on up against the Patriots. Um, I like that matchup for them. If they can close out that game with a win, um, no, Buffalo is in a good spot. I mean, listen, Detroit threw everything at them. Detroit's on a three-game win streak. They are at home. The crowd was very Detroit, pro-Detroit, as they always are Thanksgiving, especially with the Lions team that's been playing some of the best football they've seen in a couple of years there on this win streak that they've been on. The Lions played really, really well. They were in control of that game for a lot of it. Uh, and credit to the Lions, and, it, and it's um, that makes me feel good because I was I had the Lions, I think, winning like eight games in my preseason prediction. Um, I don't think they're going to get to eight, but it definitely feels like this Lions team is – uh, is really turning the corner, kind of like the Jags. We'll talk about them later on. Uh, it's funny because they play each other next week as well. And so the and the and the Bills survived it. The Bills have been through a weird, weird week. A week ago, they were getting six feet of snow. They couldn't even get out of their homes. They didn't know where they're going to be playing their games. They they get to Detroit. They they win a game against a Cle a, a good Cleveland roster 
in Detroit. They stay in Detroit. They they take everything that the Lions had to throw at them in a weird trap Thanksgiving Day game, and they handle it. They get out of there with a win. So I feel good if I'm a Buffalo fan. Now you come back and you say, all right, really important in division to get a win against the Patriots. Um, and you got to hope that Kansas City has a slip up at some point in time, run the table so you can uh, you can host those uh, those ever important playoff games in Buffalo. And like I said, for Detroit, positive vibes about the Lions and where the Lions are headed right now. It wouldn't shock me if the Lions were able to upset a, a, a good team here down the stretch and pick up another two, you know, one or two wins. Uh, to end the, end the season maybe as a six seven win team for the Lions. I mean they're they're starting to feel that way. Dan Campbell's got good a good groove going. Yeah, we're seeing steady progress even if it's not always translating to wins, and that's really all you can ask for out of uh, Detroit. And yeah, I mean to your point about the Bills and fending off the Chiefs, I think the one seed is going to be so 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 critical for Buffalo this year because one look yeah no one wants to play in Arrowhead. It's a really tough. Sp- spot to play but if you're buffalo i mean that home field advantage in january could be monumental i mean uh the the problem for buffalo is are those conditions actually conducive to how they play if they get funny yes get a really good running team in the snow can the bills actually match that 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 would be a tough one but environment wise uh the bills really got to be looking to get that one seed um because that, that you know, ever since they changed the format, the one seed is so important now because it's not yeah. the top two seeds that get that by and get and and uh, and and get that home game uh, for sure. Uh, you know, down the stretch, it's now the only the one seed and only the one seed. So that's going to be big. But Buffalo's, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Because, I, I think you agree with me though. The vibes in Buffalo seem to have turned around. You know what I mean? You, I do. Yeah. You lose to the you lose the Vikings in overtime after losing to the Jets and, and also now you come around and you win two games really quickly. You, you're, you, you're at the Patriots, then you host the Jets and then you have, you host the the Dolphins. So now this three game stretch is now really, really important that you're, you play your division over the next three weeks. If you can go three and O in that stretch, um, all of a sudden Buffalo could be looking at again, a Super Bowl like right back up there as maybe the Super Bowl favorite depending on the health and how they manage through this next three game stretch. So big, big stretch coming up for Buffalo. The Cowboys at home taking on the giants. We kind of penciled this one as an important game. Uh, not necessarily one preseason that we thought was going to be that uh, vital, but it ended up being so as the seven and three giants uh, came into Dallas uh, taking on the seven and three uh, Cowboys and the Cowboys pull out the eight point win. They get it done. Uh, whichever way they can. It was a little bit rocky at the start for Dak Prescott and company, but Dak made some really good throws late. Yeah. Uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb did his type of thing uh, in this one, and it was a really close game throughout. I think the Cowboys' second half kind of started to put their foot down. Uh, they outscored them by 14 in the second half, so a comeback for Dallas in this one. Uh, and they get an eight-point win, which against the Giants, the way they've played this year, it, you know, isn't anything to sneeze at. I mean, they're a pretty well-coached team. I think we think Brian Dable might be in line for coach of the year. And um, it's a good win for Dallas. I mean, they're 8-3 and three now, Mark. And no. we know the Eagles probably have the NFC on lockdown, certainly the NFC East, but they're still keeping pace. I mean, just two games out right now. They can put the pressure on the Eagles. I'll start with the Cowboys. Great win for the Cowboys at home because this kind of quells that whole – 
hey, there is a difference right between us and the Giants. Um, and, and yeah, maybe there's also then a jump up from you to the Eagles, but at least you, you're able to say to yourself as a fan of the Cowboys, Hey, we've set, we are, we're better than the giants or the commanders. Yeah. They're playing good football right now. Um, but we, you know, we, we are more in the class of should be competing with the Eagles and the Vikings and the Niners, which kind of look right to me right now, the top four teams in the NFC. Now, you know, the Cowboys have a great schedule ahead of them to put pressure on the Eagles. They they host the Colts. They host the Texans. They're at Jacksonville. They could go three and over the next three. All of a sudden, you're eight, you're 11 and three by the time then you're then hosting the Eagles uh, on uh, on uh, what would be Christmas Eve. So they, they, they can, they can put themselves in a really great sp- position, especially if the Eagles slip up over the next three games for that to be a mega mega game on uh, on Christmas Eve and for the for the Giants the, the Giants listen Brian Abel has maximized this team right he's gotten every he is he has squeezed that lemon dry he's got all the juice out of the uh, out of the Giants and the Giants what we've seen is when they are coached to their extreme and they play their best games they are a team that looks like yeah they should probably be a playoff team they look like a team that on any given Sunday, if they're home or uh, if they play their best football uh, on a, on a, in a non-really hostile environment, yeah, they could really, you know, they could maybe upset some teams. Are they going to go to Philly and upset the Eagles in the playoffs? I don't think so. Are they going to go to uh, the Cowboys and upset the Cowboys in the playoffs? Probably not. Um, but the Giants will be one of those teams right now that feels like, um, can they hold on to dear life? The Giants schedule gets really tough. So if you're a Giants fan, you're trying to make the playoffs. It's this is a tough loss because at this point in time, if I if you were to say, hey, you went um, eight, and if you were if you told Giants fans before the season you went eight and nine, they'd be like, oh my god, yes, we'll take that. Well, if you would have told them at one point in time you would have been seven and two, and then you went eight and nine, they'd be really upset about that. So finding a balance, can the Giants get to nine or ten wins? I don't know. They feel like they're running out of juice. It feels like they squeeze everything out, and it feels like um, there's enough film now on how Brian Dable is using Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones can't beat you with his arm to where it's like it's stalling. Does that make sense? It feels like it's stalling. Yeah, with yeah. the And where the Cowboys feels like, whoa, we're getting new layers, running game really getting going, Dak playing well, ba- a couple bad interceptions, um, but doing enough to where if they feel like they add an Odell Beckham Jr., the Cowboys – all of a sudden, I think, maybe become the third best team in the NFC. Well, interestingly for the Giants, I mean, I, I I thought when you first said that, like, can they get to nine wins still? I don't know. And I was like, ah, come on. I mean, they're at seven wins. But now I look at their schedule, it is going to be tough because they play the Commanders twice. They play the Eagles twice. I'm probably going to just pencil them in for losses against the Eagles. And I'll split with the commanders, right? So there's one win that they can get out of that. And then the rest is Vikings Colts. So maybe, and I'm thinking they split those games too, you know? Uh, So at best, they get to 10 wins. At best, they get to 10 wins. Most likely, I think they get to, I think they get to nine, but it's certainly far from a guarantee, you know? You're absolutely right. We'll talk about the commanders coming up, but the commanders and the giants, basically, if one of them can sweep the other, they should be in the playoffs. Like it's coming down to that. 
Yeah. If yeah. the Giants sweep the Commanders, they're in the playoffs. If the Commanders sweep the Giants, it looks like they're going to be in the playoffs. And the other team will probably just miss out depending on what Seattle can do in the NFC West. Right, right. And that that will be an interesting one to look at too because that was a division where yeah. uh, I think I had two to three teams making it. And uh, yeah, it's it's probably going to be one and a hopeful second uh, trying to, to squeeze their way in there. Uh, the final Thanksgiving game, the Patriots at the Vikings in this one. This was a pretty entertaining game, uh, surprisingly as well. But, um, you know, Mac Jones did a lot through the air. But the Vikings end up pulling out the win with their consistency and just, um, you know, Justin Jefferson made some incredible plays in this game. And, and you know, Kirk Cousins put the ball on the money uh, a couple times, too. So not to take too much away from him, but a 33 to 26 win for Minnesota gets them at nine and two. I think we've talked the divisions there's already. And at this point, it's about. I, I still, I mean, they're one game away from getting the one seed, which is crazy. Yeah. I think for them, they're going to obviously be looking to get that one seed. I think most realistically, just trying to to get the two seed is probably going to be the most realistic uh, venture for them at this point, uh, unless the Eagles slip, which they could. Um, but, you know, right now that, that was a win that could have been a trap game for Minnesota, honestly. Um, but you know, they, they end up pulling it out and uh, Kirk throws three touchdowns and, uh, and they get it done. So I think uh, Kevin O'Connell after the game was, uh, Hey guys, uh, last I checked, this was a seven fifteen PM start and your quarterback went 30 at 37 and threw three touchdowns. So even Kevin O'Connell is privy to the uh, Kirk cousins, primetime jinx. Yeah, no, well, Kirk, I, I have to admit, I have to eat crow on this. I bet the Patriots purely because it was primetime Kirk cousins, and yeah. there is something with that connection with him and Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson right now is the best receiver in football, um, especially with chase injured um, that, that, that I mean, he just Jefferson is so good and Kirk knows how to get him the ball. And that is honestly a recipe right now for a ton of regular season wins and quite possibly a postseason run. I, I have, you have to start admitting it with the Vikings. The one thing that the Vikings and the Vikings fans have to, I, I, I beg them to be realistic about it is their two losses are to the Eagles and the Cowboys, the two other good teams in the NFC right now. And in those law, so in order for them to, you know, get a one seed, they have got to get not only a better record, they have to get a better record than the Eagles because so they, they need to basically have a two game swap with the Eagles and they can't end up with the same record as the Cowboys because the Cowboys will have the rights over them as well. So uh, it's very important for the Vikings to win out or to, you know, you know, basically win out to give them a chance. I agree with you. The Vikings, if they host through the NFC, that, that gigantic improvement to their chances to make the Super Bowl, especially with this passing offense, you do not want, you do not want to be in bad weather in Philadelphia or you, you know what I mean? And you don't want to somehow end up um, in a in a in a game in a hostile Dallas environment or a hostile San Francisco environment, I don't think they'll lose that many games over San Francisco. But you never know what can happen. Um, so it's it's an interesting spot for the Vikings to be in. So I have to eat crow on that great win. But I will say this for the Patriots: if I if if I would have told the Patriots fans a week ago, hey, Thanksgiving night, Mac Jones is going to throw for three hundred and eighty two yards. 
he is going to throw for two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's going to have a quarterback rating of 119.8, and they're going to score 26 points on the road against the Vikings. I think 99.99% of Patriots fans be like, F, yes, we win that game. Let's go. So the Patriots, like, I'm sorry, you, you lost, the, you gave up 33 points. Like, where's Bill Belichick, the defensive mind? Matthew Judon's a freak, but this goes to show you this Patriots team has more holes than just Mac Jones. That's the point I was trying to make with, with bringing that up. Um, it's easy for us to sit here and be like, oh, Mac Jones, not good. The Patriots, not good. Mac Jones was good in this game. The offense moved the ball and scored points in this game. They let up 33 points on defense. Like, you're not going to win many on the road if you give up 33. Yeah, I mean, that's supposed to be the staple. When Whenever you have a young quarterback, you want to be able to lean on the expertise if you've got a defensive head coach. It's like the the situation with Pittsburgh. Yeah, It's yeah. the situation now with New England. And Bill Belichick's supposed to be the mastermind there. That's the side of the ball we were not concerned about. We were concerned about the fact that you have offensive coordinators who are <laughs> defensive and special teams dudes. And uh, in this one, Mac Jones looked pretty good. And uh, look, I mean, Damian Harris has been hurt at times this year. That has just let them unleash Ramondre Stevenson. This guy's like a superstar running back. Like He's yeah. really, really good. I think they're starting to find more things they can lean on offensively and like start to uh, maybe rely on guys that they should be relying on more often. And, and that's going to help them win some games. And yeah, I, I totally agree. If they, if they were told that they would be in this type of game and they would get the performance they got out of their offense, they would take that all day. And I mean, at the end of the day too, in a really stacked division in the AFC East, the Patriots are six and five. Like I thought we, I thought truly, I'll just speak for myself. Like six weeks ago, I was like, ah, oh, this is a, a way rougher year for new England than I even yeah. thought was going to be. And here they are at six and five. Like they're perfectly okay right now. I'll just say this. It's a weird situation to be in, but I always want to put it out there as of right now. If I'm a Patriots fan, I feel like, okay, Mac Jones is my starter going into next year, but I do think the Patriots should do. And I trust their organization to do this. I think they need to do as much due diligence in the, in the, in the NFL, as far as, is there a veteran quarterback who's available? Could you pry away Derek Carr? Could you pry away Aaron Rodgers? Could you pry away Tom Brady? Could Tom like Jimmy, G, make Jimmy a reunion, Garoppolo? You know. Like I, I, if you are the Patriots, I think you, and I think all Patriots fans right now would say, if you all of a sudden dropped in Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, a veteran of that ilk in that roster just for a, Hey, a short run in the next, like the last two or three years of the Belichick. I don't think anyone would have any problems with that. And I, and at that point, I don't think, you know, they could probably trade Mac Jones or keep Mac Jones. You're like, I, I don't think that the, the Patriots, uh, I think the Patriots are uniquely built to handle a situation like that because right now they are, as you said, they're perfectly okay, but that seems like a weird place for Patriots fans to be. And the Patriots organization to be, when you have the greatest coach in football history, uh, whose you know his time is running out, and uh, and the roster is not un, it, it's missing a couple pieces, as I pointed out. But it's you add a couple pieces, all of a sudden this Patriots team could be right back in the thick of the hey wild card team that you do not want to play. Yeah, I mean it's certainly not dreadful. It looks like the line has started to uh, coalesce over the yep. weeks, and they have a pair of good tight ends, and you know they have finally some 
decent playmakers on the outside. Uh, so you add another piece to that mix, and, and they're looking a lot different. Uh, let's go to the Sunday games. We'll start with the Jets drubbing of the Bears. Uh, Trevor Simeon getting the start for this, even though it was the back and forth reporting of Nathan Peterman's in, and then no, they're like, actually, Trevor's fine. Uh, he got hurt in pre- pregame warmups, but he's good yeah. to go. So, yeah, Trevor Simeon comes in, gets a start. They kind of went, you know, toe-to-toe in the first half there. Um, Mike White on the other end, though, with yeah. the Jets. Looked uh, looked like an all-pro against your Bears, man. I know it's the secondary, uh, or just, uh, I, I should say, the front seven of the Bears uh, that has been relatively decimated, obviously, with those traits and things like that. But uh, oh. it, that the Jets looked like they had an offense come alive. And maybe part of it was just like, oh, Zach Wilson was holding us back. Like Mike White comes in, adds a spark, throws three touchdowns. Maybe this is what they need to do offensively. Maybe it wasn't all just like the Bears defense. It was a mixture of uh, the Jets kind of finding lightning in a bottle a little bit here as well. I don't know. Your yeah. thoughts well, on kind of that Bears performance defense overall. Since trading Quinn and Smith has been statistically the worst defense in the NFL. And then going into the game, uh, there are two starter uh, 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 corner and safety, Brisker and, and Gordon, the rookies, were out, who've both been playing really well for rookies this year. You know, they're not Sauce Gardner great, but they've been playing really, really well, like, oh, okay, building blocks for your future defense. So you already had that, and then you lose Eddie Jackson, your starting safety, midway through the second quarter. And in the second half, oh my gosh, yeah, the dam broke loose. My little brother, you know, texted me midway through the game. Is basically like, I'm struggling with Eberflus. He's a defensive guy. This defense sucks. And I, I, I do think there are some coaching things that I am struggling with with the Bears. And I do think part of it is like, if any NFL team thought, ooh, Luke Getze could maybe be a head coach, go back to this game plan for this game. And I think you, you like Luke Getze just kind of exposed himself. He had a Matt Nagy type of day where it was like, Ooh, I don't have Justin Fields, So I can go back to my system, the, the Shanahan style of system. And I'll show it with my, the quarterbacks who are just accurate, dink, dunk, methodical down the field. I mean, it, it just goes to show you the system, that system only works really if you have San Francisco's players or Miami's players. We have not seen it work in the last year and a half in Green Bay. It is not working in Denver. And in Chicago, it has not been good in this tree, the Lafleur, you know, we, uh, Shanahan tree of that that branch of it. Um, it has not been good um, without uh, Derrick Henry, uh, the, you know, Miami's players or San Francisco's players. Uh, and so it was, it was a bad game plan. I, I tweeted out, I think I – I wanted Peterman to start because then the Bears would have ran the ball hopefully 40 times. And I think the, the Bears ran the ball 40 times, score would not have gotten as out of hand as it was. It would have been a closer game. And they probably would have lost. They're not as good as the Jets. The Jets have way better talent. And the Bears uh, are beat up. They lost Mooney, it looks like, for the rest of the year. Needs ankle surgery. Eddie Jackson, no word yet. But to me, it looked like a torn or partially torn Achilles or a ligament in the ankle or foot, something like that. So he's probably Which, done. You know, the Garrett Wilson, a lot of people want to talk about him. That play Eddie was Jackson. not a touchdown if Eddie yeah. Jackson doesn't. It's a great pickup. It's a great yeah. pickup, but it's it's not a touchdown. And um, and so yeah, I mean, and and there's no Justin Fields. So I was in a lot of ways, I was rooting for the Bears to lose this game. I would like to see Justin Fields get back on the field and beat the Packers, be you know, beat the Lions one more time. 
and just show like, hey, I know how to win games. We can win games. We know how to put this together and then probably lose out. And the Bears end up being a five-win team, get a top five draft pick. There's still going to be a ton of flexibility to either trade out or draft a really great player in the top five. This draft looks very deep, especially in the first half of the of the draft. Um, so I, that's, as a Bears fan, what I'm hoping for. Beat the Packers, beat the Lions, um, or the Vikings, one of the two. You know what I mean? But uh, end up with about five wins. Get yourself a top five pick and either trade it for another first-round pick and double dip this year or this year and next year. And then, uh, or, or take the best player available because you'll be able to, you'll be able, you'll need whoever's available, whether it's an edge rusher, a wide receiver, a, an offensive lineman, whatever it is. Um, but I'd like to see Justin Fields come back. I'd like to see him win, you know, a couple games to just say, hey, this team knows how to win. No Mooney, um, uh, that that's tough. Now, what I will say going going on the flip side, let's talk about the Jets, and I, and I'll I'll leave a lot of this to you as well. At this point in time, I said it on my show on Saturday. The news broke that Mike White was going to get the start. And I and I really struggled with it. But then after watching the game, I think my mind is really clear. At this point in time, I'm done with Zach Wilson if I'm the Jets. Like, you have to, as an organization, you have to say, listen, we will willingly trade you, Zach Wilson. We'll even listen to, like, teams that you want to consider being traded to. But we're also going to try to get the most for you. And if you're the Jets, you are the most aggressive in the free agent quarterback market next year because you have a great, great roster that's ready to win. And if you put a Jimmy G or you can go out and pry a Derek Carr, a Tom Brady, whatever it is, like you could be in a really great position. You have two good receivers, a young running back coming on back, an offensive line. It's it's really improving and a great young defense. Um or because uh, I don't think they'll be in a great position to draft something, and I think there's a little sour taste in the mouth about the draft. But I think you move on from Zach Wilson. You ride it out with Mike White, see how far he can get you. He, it, if he gets injured, maybe you go back to Zach Wilson just to see. Maybe you can put some good tape on and you and you trade him. But I would be if I was the the Jets, I would do. I would look at the Cleveland Brown handbook of last year. Try to handle it better than Cleveland. And don't spend three hundred million dollars guaranteed on a on a serial sex offender, but handle it in that way. Just be like, listen, this just didn't work. It didn't work, and it's not working. And we don't want to lose our locker room because this is a great locker room of win now pieces and future guys. This guy doesn't seem to be our future, and the locker room is out on him. So move on. Yeah, I mean, I think even if you had someone whose play was you know, showing moderate improvements, but he didn't fit the culture of the locker room. You'd, you would have a problem on your hands, but they, they're, they've got both. It seems the, the, the problem on the field and the problem in the locker room. So now I'm, I'm on board with you. I, I think it's, it's always best in the NFL to move off your misses as early as possible and reset. We saw the yeah. Cardinals do it. And while it hasn't translated to much success, uh, we can agree that they're in a much better spot with, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray than they were with, you know, Josh Rosen and uh, Steve Wilkes. So I just think that if you're the Jets, you like what you've seen from Robert Sala, what he's been able to do with that defense in a short amount of time, what they've been able to do with this regime. I don't think that regime is, you know, remotely, they don't have to be tied to Zach Wilson at all. And uh, so, yeah, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. And then whoever, you know, someone could get 
uh, a quarterback who is taken number two overall with two years left on his rookie deal and uh, have an opportunity there. Yeah. So I think there would be suitors for sure. You know, maybe even a team like Seattle uh, would would want to take a flyer or something like that if they feel like Geno is not going to be the guy that they want to roll with next year. That Come they into the competition. On. Uh, something like that. I, I could absolutely see that. Being Washington, so that depending on draft, where you fall. Sure. If, if there's, and I, or honestly, like a team like the Raiders. If you move on from from Carr, you, maybe you bring in Zach Wilson as a. If if the draft doesn't, it's all. It will happen after the draft. In my and opinion, and he would be much more of a Raider quarterback yeah. than yeah. Uh, you know a lot of other teams that he would fit with. Like it will happen. Uh, it will happen after the draft. And 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 yeah. my whole thing at this point is. If unless Mike White, so they gave themselves, they did it well in the sense that they said he was inactive and this is a punishment type benching, right? They basically said we need to punish him for his really bad decisions on the field and at the microphone. So we are benching you and you're inactive. You're not even dressing. So that way they can, if they go back to him, say, listen, we knew we were going to go back to him. This, that was a punishment benching. So they, yeah, they yeah. gave themselves a little wiggle room. But at this point in time, it seems like the Jets fans don't care. It's not like – and they and the GM – normally GMs get fired for botching a pick like that, but he's nailed everything else. I mean, the defense he's built, the young weapons, um, it, 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 it just seems like as far as an organization goes – they they need a just an adult in the room. I mean, Salah basically said it best in the press conference. He said Mike White makes the easy look easy. Zach Wilson yeah, doesn't make the easy look easy. Mitch, and that was Mitch's biggest fault. Mitch had wild plays and would scramble do all this stuff, stuff, but Mitch never made the easy look easy. And like that's when I get so excited about Justin Fields when he just this does the dump offs and stuff. It's like, oh, he makes the easy look easy. Hey, it's third and three, nothing's open, just run. Yeah, okay, make the easy look easy. And and um and that's what you want from your young quarterback cuz then if the ceiling's still really high, which we all know that Zach Wilson's ceiling is high, but if you can't make the easy look easy and the game doesn't start to slow down, um then yeah, you just move on. And the Jets I feel like that that's what they should do at this point. Ride it out with Mike White and uh see what you can do in the offseason as far as getting getting rid of Zach Wilson and and be aggressive in the free agent market. Like, we got a ready-to-win team now. Which which adult quarterback wants to come in and try to win a bunch of games and compete in this tough AFC East? Yeah, who's along for the ride? We'll find out. Uh, overtime game. We got the Brownies over the Buccaneers, twenty-three to seventeen in overtime. Todd Bowles kind of getting some heat here. He's he's for... a menace. His his press conference was bizarre. I mean his. So it's like late, late fourth quarter, they have an opportunity. It was bizarre. Yeah. They have an opportunity there to like preserve some time and get Tom Brady an opportunity to do what, Oh, I don't know what he's done a thousand times in his career. Excuse me. Instead, uh, Todd bull says uh, they didn't use any other timeouts. So they let the clock basically drain down and then they end up going into overtime. He said uh, they did that because, you know, what if Tom throws a pick? What, what? What a bizarre statement. Like, first off, I don't care who your quarterback is. That's never – you're living in your fears. You're admitting to living in your fears then at that point. Yeah. Uh, and also, Tom doesn't throw picks in tie games. Warren Sharp put out, it's been over 15 years since Tom Brady threw an interception in a tie game in the fourth quarter of overtime. So, like, 
what are you talking about, dude? That was bizarre. Goes to OT, and the Browns go down. Nick Chubb seals the win. A uh, good win for Cleveland. The Buccaneers, that's a brutal loss. That sucks. They're lucky to be in the division they're in because if they were in any other division, yeah. that could be a play that, that could be the difference between the playoffs or not the playoffs for them. One win that clearly should have been they should have had. And instead they let the Browns stick around. And you know, um this is also equally on the Brown the Buccaneers defense to me, just kind of like in you know, I, yeah, they only let up a total of 23 points in five quarters, but Gosh, like at t- the times when you needed them to to pull through and and get that one key, you know, stop or whatever, it just it didn't seem to come. But yeah, I I just terrible management and it was bad. To me, it's a little bit of Brady. I mean, l- the what the last time the Bucks played great either. Yeah, the last Absolutely. time the Bucks scored over twenty two points in a game was that week. Gosh, that was October second. Their loss against the Chiefs. I mean, you're talking about over a month and a half of action. I mean, they've just not offensively been clicking either. This was after the bye. I thought they'd come out and play really well. Tabos is not an NFL coach. I'm sorry. He's 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 had his chances. And at this point in time, you just I would argue Tabos is one of the elite coordinators of the game, like a Leslie Frazier, elite coordinator in the game. And you should, but you just shouldn't be a head coach. Uh, it's just not for him. He, he doesn't handle the press conference as well. It doesn't seem like the teams have an team has an identity right now. And honestly, if you're Brady at this point in time, you're just saying to yourself, okay, can I get to nine wins? Nine wins will win me the division. Can you find four more wins on your schedule? The Saints game is huge this weekend because then after the Saints, they have at the Niners hosting the Bengals. Those are probably two losses. And then they do end the season at Cardinals hosting Panthers at Falcons. So they could go on a three-game win streak to, to, to end the season so that winning one of the Saints-Niners-Bengals games is all important. And even then, winning one of those games means you have to go on a three-game win streak to end the season um, just to get to nine games, be above five hundred and feel slightly, you know, like you have some groove going into the playoffs. If Brady's in the playoffs, do I bet against him? I don't know. It's going to be tough, depending on the matchups and where they play. They'll be a division winner. They'll get a home game. Uh, but right now, at this point in time, the Bucks have got to find a way to just start scoring. 24, 20, like, listen, if they had scored 20, if they scored 20 points in this game in regular, in regular time, they would have won the game. They, you know, they in their last previous wins 21-16 over the Seahawks 16-13 over the over the you know the Rams like their defense is doing enough like you know they only gave up 21 points in that weird loss to the Panthers and they only scored 3 so like the Bucks offense to me is is the problem they've got to run the ball uh, more efficiently they've got to find a way uh to you know Mike Evans leads the league and like catches that just miss his hands it doesn't look like Brady's like bad. Like even Rogers with the broken thumb, like he looked off and we'll talk about that game. It doesn't look like Brady looks off. It just, it's not working right now. And I think a lot of it is Todd Bowles. I just think that he doesn't trust Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles doesn't seem to have a, a grasp on, on what needs to happen in the, in an NFL game uh, to manage it well. And the, and the bucks are in some luckily in the NFC South, but otherwise in some real trouble. Yeah, that's a it's a tough pill to swallow for Tom Brady, I'm sure, in this situation coming back this year, 
you know, looking to kind of have a rebound from the year before. And um, it's been tough sledding so far. I totally agree with you. The offense has been the biggest uh, issue uh, for this team, especially in the last uh, six weeks, as you laid out. I just think that the the defense has, um, when, when you needed them to make a play, uh, they weren't able to. It's kind of like how I felt about the Steelers defense a lot of times this year. They've been really, really good. Uh, but then, if you know, on a key, de- uh, you know, drive, they end up uh, giving up a score. The Bengals uh, beat the Titans, edge them out by four points, the rematch of the uh, divisional game. game last year. And it was a big game. And even though it was very uh, low scoring, 20 to 16, the final for Cincinnati, um, both teams were scratching and clawing. I mean, this was a, a real, like, heavyweight matchup. It looked like a playoff game. It did. It really did. It had that atmosphere feel to it. Uh, and, and this was in Nashville. And, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins in Cincinnati just pulled it out in the end. And that's where I think you see guys like Joe Burrow where, like, he didn't light up the stat sheet at all. But he just made some, like, really key plays. T. Higgins is a, uh, is dynamite. I think we're seeing now that he's not just a number two to Jamar Chase. Like, they have two number one wide receivers on that team. Yeah. And um, the Titans, so physical, I was surprised how much they were able to kind of box in that offense for as long as they did but what the Bengals did and and what you need to do against the Titans is shut down Derrick Henry and that's what Cincinnati did for the majority of this game uh Derrick Henry had the one big play on the receiving um on the reception that he took down to like the goal line other than that uh the Bengals really kept Derrick Henry in check they forced Ryan Tannehill to throw 34 passes and that's going to be the recipe for success, uh, yeah. giving up just uh, two field goals in the entire second half. Yeah, there's two things that listen. If you watch this game, you, you don't you 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 left the game saying Burrow made the plays he needed to make. He wasn't he wasn't terrific. He wasn't Patrick Mahomes five touchdowns, four hundred yards. But again, it just you watch the game. You're like, this dude has it. He's got the it that he makes the plays that he needs to make when he needs to make them. And he was only sacked one time. Remember, in this playoff game last year, he was sacked nine times and found a way to win that game. That's huge for Cincinnati. Because even down the stretch last year when Cincinnati was reeling off wins, he was getting sacked a ton. So if they can protect him now down the stretch, they have a brutal stretch. The only teams they play below 500 in the remainder of the stretch are the Browns, who will have Deshaun Watson at this point. And the Bucks, and it's in Tampa, and they have Tom Brady. So a brutal stretch for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I believe in the Bengals. I think the Bengals right now will win the AFC North. I think they're in the driver's seat. Uh, just because of Joe Burrow, they're going to get Chase back. Uh, I have all the confidence in Burrow. That defense, as you mentioned, second half, this is what the Titans did in the second half. Punt, three plays minus six yards, punt. Six plays, 19 yards, punt. Uh, field goal, field goal. And that was it. So th- this this Bengals defense is really great in the second half. They make adjustments. They wear you down. They can stop the run. And the Bengals offensive line is protecting Joe Burrow. Um, he's getting his his number one guy right back here just in time for the stretch run. A lot of arrows pointing up for the Bengals. And for the Titans, listen, the Titans, I think Big Cat on part of my take this morning said it best. The Titans are exactly the team that, I think he said, if you're a Titans fan, you have this going for you. If you're going to probably win your division, so you're, you're going to host a playoff game, and then 
if you win that game against a, a team like a Jets or uh, you know another team that you know that just barely you know a, you know that's you know doesn't win their division, you can win an ugly game if you're the Titans. Like you can just run the ball, physical defense, beat someone up, keep a low scoring win, twenty three twenty, and then you can absolutely in a snow game or in a bad weather game game in Kansas City. Go in there and be physical and give yourself a chance, right? That's what the Titans need. They need breaks like that to be in the Super Bowl. Will they get all them? Probably not. Uh, but as of right now, that's how the Titans are built. And until they make some sort of gigantic culture change, that's how they're going to try to win win playoff games. And right now, they're at least doing everything they need to do, be in a position to be in those games. And credit to the Titans. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins win by 15 at home over the Texans. And uh, this one really was a, uh, you know, display really of all around talent that the Miami team has that Houston yeah. team does not. Um, yeah, but Miami scored 30 in the first half and then was held yeah. scoreless in the second half. So it was kind of a tale of two halves in that respect. Um, but I did like what's kind of come out from the press conferences uh, talking about Mike McDaniel, how he, had to reset to a tongue of Iloa's confidence. Uh, he felt that Tua had been just so battered down mentally uh, in his first couple years in the league that he, the reports are saying he cut up a 700 play uh, video of everything that Tua does well, showed it to Tua, tried to give him some confidence and understanding of what his skill set is. And Tua basically said that that has helped a tremendous amount for his confidence as well. So it, it, it does go to show that it's, we're not just seeing like a schematics um, influence from Mike McDaniel. We're seeing on the personal level, him kind of influencing the culture there and the players um, Texans are not, you know, a double digit win is a double digit win. Anyway, you slice it. Miami's eight and three now and in the driver's seat in the AFC East, uh, Really, just it's it's them and the the Bills now fighting for who's gonna yeah. run away with that division. Yeah, they control their own destiny to win the AFC East, which is you got to feel good if you're Miami. Same with the Bills; they both like you know they have game against each other still. Um, I'll say this: we didn't talk about it last week because the Dolphins were on a buy, but like two weeks ago, and I tweeted it out. There was a video that went viral of of Brian Flores is uh, like two or three interactions with mm-hmm. Tua versus Mike McDaniel, two or three interactions with Tua. And you it speaks to exactly what you say. And I and it's just different. And I know it's hard if you're 40 or older, you, it's hard for you to see the NFL different. Like a Brian Flores was a really good head coach, right? He commanded the room, great at the like podium press conferences, like a man's man. You're like, that's a guy I want leading my He's football. An authority. Team. Yeah. And now you look at Mike McDaniel and say to yourself, wait a minute, he's about to get a lot of other guys hired because what you see in that video, and if you can go back on my Twitter at Mark Hesman, find it, dig it up, or just look at search like, you know, Mike McDaniels with Tua versus Flores with Tua. Flores would just like go up to him fist bump like, hey man, you got this, believe in you, let's go. And then like Mike McDaniels like, grabs him and they're like in the middle of the game like joking about like fast food, play calling, like it's relaxed, like he keeps to – and, and think to yourself, if you're a young quarterback and you are the weight of the world, a billion-dollar franchise, you're a high draft pick, and you and you have 
your coach being like, come on, man, let's go. Believe in you, believe. Versus your coach, like, making you just feel like, hey, I'm your butt. Like, we're good. Like, we're good here. Like, we are, we are just friends. Like, we're that relationship. And now maybe some quarterbacks react, react different. Maybe they want that authoritarian, like, pressure. But yeah, like it, Tom Brady is a perfect example. Yeah. Like he wanted a, a hard But again, Tom Brady's Gen X versus Gen, you know, millennials. And now these kids are Gen Zers. I mean, these new, these kids get drafted. Yeah. Um, so it's a different relationship. And I do think Mike McDaniel, I don't know if it can last with Mike McDaniel. I'm sick of predicting now he's going to be great for forever. I thought one year Matt Nagy nailed it. I thought he was great his, as, a, as a rookie coach. And he was. If you look back, the culture, the play calling, everything. And can it last? Can you adjust when they make adjustments to you? Matt Nagy couldn't. Um, and can, so I'm not. I'm not sitting here to predict. Can Brian? Can uh, McDaniel? Can you know? Uh, uh, Dable? Can they adjust? Well, we'll have to wait and see at this point in time. Um, so, you know, that being said, I think Miami is is very very good, and I think Miami very well could upset some people in the playoffs. I mean, they can Miami's, win in a lot of ways, you know, but if Miami's playing in an AFC championship game, I would not be shocked at this point in time. I will say this now about the Texans really quickly. The Texans finally have made it clear. Davis Mills is not the future. Davis Mills will now have a long career as a backup in the NFL. Good for him. He's going to make a lot of money. Lovey Smith will probably be fired and they will be able to say, okay, we have no more Jack Easterby. That whole regime is done. We can now start fresh with a new head coach, a new uh, a new quarterback, and a bunch of draft capital. So the Texans, um, the stock is the, the everything's going in the right direction. Be get the number one overall pick, pick between Stroud and Young, find the coach that believes in them, who's young, who can build around them, and good luck. And you're and you're at least doing the blueprint now that the rest of the NFL is following that seems to be semi-working in areas of the NFL. And the AFC South, it doesn't seem too hard to be competitive in the AFC South right now. So um, so maybe the, the Texans could turn it around pretty quickly. They're at least on the track to doing that. Uh, and so you got to get you got to feel good about that if you're a Texans fan. Yeah, they'll, they'll get the number one overall pick, barring some miraculous comeback with Kyle Allen and company down the stretch here. Uh, the Washington at home gets a 19 to 13 win over the Falcons uh, Falcons have an opportunity late, but uh, Kendall Fuller's interception in the end zone uh, kind of just, uh, you know, puts that one out of reach and, and seals the win for Washington. Nothing spectacular from either side. It was a close game, both two, two teams that are kind of feisty uh, win ugly. And so of course you could assume that this game would come down to a 19 13 win with some sort of, you know, no. crazy interception uh, at the end of it. So not much to say other than, you know, the commanders are commanding. Yeah. I mean, you know, besides there being a joke of a franchise, which we started the beginning off, their play on the field right now is 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 going well. I mean, the momentum is is riding with, with the commanders. And for the Falcons, you know, they seem a little little rudderless, a little meandering. And at this point in time, if you're if you're the Falcons I don't know if they are trying to get a quarterback, if they're, or if they're just trying to build the franchise. I mean, they, you know, they remember they traded Ridley. That was an under the radar move because he's been suspended, but he's a legit number one receiver in the NFL. 
Uh, no Kyle Pitts the remainder of the year. It wouldn't shock me now if the Falcons go into full tank mode, try to kind of commit to getting a top five pick to at least have flexibility. You know what I mean? To trade it for a quarterback or to, or to get a quarterback up high, what, whatever they're doing. Um, uh, so they're a little meandering. You know, I just praise the Texans. They, they're doing it the right way. The Falcons are doing it in a weird way or kind of meandering through it. Uh, and for the commanders, absolutely. We talked about it earlier between them and the giants. Um, they both could make the playoffs if they kind of split down the stretch, but one of them could really kind of kick the other one in the teeth. And my money's on the commanders right now. I like the play of, I like the play of Heineke. The team's rallying around him. The defense is finding their teeth, chase young back. So good vibes for the commanders on the field. Just not the commanders as an organization. Yeah, not off of it at all. Um, Carolina gets a rare win at home oh, over the Broncos. De- uh, God, Denver's just an absolute disaster. I mean, we say it every week, uh, but Sam Darnold getting his first start since January. And uh, today, Steve Wilkes just named Darnold will be their starter after the bye. So that's three different starting quarterbacks for Carolina and three different quarterbacks which? of which they've said, we're sticking with this person. <laughs> um and so it's just, it's very interesting. You know, PJ Walker still hurt. He's coming back from injury, but even if he's healthy, they're going to stick with Darnold. Uh, very interesting. Uh, meanwhile, it was just, I mean, the Broncos held the 10 points yet again. They are, they are 32nd out of 32 teams in scoring offense this year under 15 points per game. And that's even almost putting it, uh, you know, putting like some roses on it because they've had a couple games. So of 20 point games that might, uh, skew those numbers they've had a lot more 10 or fewer uh, so it's just man uh, a season lost I, I I guess they're going to stick with Nathaniel Hackett throughout the rest of the year but I mean it's a surefire uh, firing at the end of the year right I mean there's no and do, do you even see I, I, I honestly can't see a, a situation where they bring him back no I would get rid of him sooner rather than later too because now you got the defenders yelling at Russell Wilson it's getting yeah. to the point where it's bad. I would I would ax him within the next week uh, or two if I was in charge of the Broncos. And I would just say, listen, this did not work. It's not working, and this season is a disaster. We have to do something. Um, I don't think they're going to look to trade Russell Wilson. They got to give Russell Wilson another year. Like, that's a huge investment they made in him and being the franchise quarterback. So they got he gets another year. Hackett doesn't. Um, it's not a desirable coaching job. So I don't know who's going to take the job or who's who they're going to find to take the job. Uh, but I'm sure there'll be candidates. I just want to read the list of people who have more touchdown passes than um, Russell Wilson this year. Uh, that list includes Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan. And Carson Dave, Wentz hasn't played for over a month. Davis Mills, uh, Jacoby Brissett. My guy, Justin Fields, has a lot more touchdown passes. Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, all have more touchdown passes than uh, than Russell Wilson. He is just one ahead of Baker Mayfield. I was going to, uh, yeah, I was going to say Baker. Yeah, he barely uh, ahead of Baker Mayfield. I mean, so. Kenny listen, Pickett, he's probably still light years ahead of he, Kenny Pickett. Yeah. My, my thing with, you know how I feel about the Broncos. I don't even spend too much time. I called this as a win for the for the Panthers, by the way, on my Saturday show. I feel so good about that. Um, I did my bold prediction to start the year was the Bron- Panthers would have three starting quarterbacks. Now, I predicted it would be Corral. 
I mean, right. right. Oh, that's a good, yeah, I forgot about that. That's so true. I was I'm technically, technically wrong, but I'll take this as a win. Um, and then I, listen, I think it's smart to ride with Darnold for two reasons, because Darnold is the best option you have as your bridge guy. He is the most, I bet like best in the locker room. It feels like guys like Darnold and it feels like if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback, Darnold's a good guy to kind of learn from the sense of like, shit, man, I've been through it. I've been through it all. And I can kind of give you some do's and don'ts. Also, Darnold has a little bit of trade value. I think they have him for another year uh, on the contract. Yeah, they have him for next year, but they could they could get out of that contract very easily. But he has a little uh, yeah. bit of trade value. I mean, Baker's done. Baker should be in a booth. I mean, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I would go – you could get an ESPN – job at college game day like tomorrow if you wanted to yeah, or yeah. fox like the big noon kickoff yeah, he'd be really good he'd be really i think good he would that. and and just start that career if you're baker um and you know pj's a fun guy to keep in your organization as a third right or a future backup whoever you want him to be so i, I think it makes sense with darnold because you can use darnold in some sort of way to maybe get a six round pick as a trade value just to you know someone wants to if he has a nice way to end the season as someone wanting some depth on the roster, or you keep him to maybe be your bridge quarterback for a starter next year, whatever it may be. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, the Panthers, it's a good, it's a, it's nice to win a game. Like I want my bears to win a couple games here down the stretch. It's bad for the Panthers because the Panthers really need one of the two. They need Stroud or young. Um, I think the Falcons need Stroud or young. The Texans need Stroud or young. So, one of those two, one of those teams is not going to end up in the one or two spot. The Bears right now are projected to be the number two overall pick if they lose out. So the Bears could be asking for a huge haul payday. They could get a massive haul. And that would be terrific. So there's some, there's a lot, there's this top of the draft board now. We're in, we're in week 13, so we're, we can start really projecting that out. That's going to be fun to start talking about coming on up because there are two quarterbacks who are, you know, you could feel like go one, two, and there's kind of no questions asked Stroud and, and Young. Take your preference. Um, and so uh, if you're a team that has your quarterback and you end up in that spot, you could get a real pretty penny for being in that spot. And if you're the Panthers, if you're, you know, the Texans, if you're the Falcons, you don't want to pay that pretty penny. So start losing. Start, start losing the rest of the way. Onto a team that uh, certainly doesn't need a franchise quarterback because they already got one, and I hope that this performance kind of put that to rest. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor yeah. Lawrence great win uh, come up with an awesome fourth-quarter drive uh, to come back, win the game on a two-point conversion as well. Trevor Lawrence looked amazing uh, on that final drive, and he hits Marvin Jones uh, with the touchdown. A great catch by Marvin Jones as well on this one, but – uh, that made it 27-26 Baltimore. They decided to go for two. You know, Doug Peterson with uh, nothing to lose type of mentality. Let's go for this and, 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 and you know, stick it to them. They do. And, uh, you know, to me, really, I mean, Baltimore didn't look great in this game at any point. I was much more, you know, encouraged by the performance by Jacksonville. Win or loss, they just played a lot better, I think, overall. But Baltimore's defense has been Swiss cheese this year. I mean, it's it, it went coming into the year thinking that, you know, man, I, I think they're going to be pretty good, actually. And then they got Kyle Hamilton, and you're like, okay, they got some additions there. 
Patrick Queen in his second they year are going to you know make some steps. And, yeah, yeah, and they they have just really looked bad, and uh, so that's going to be a big problem for Baltimore because right now it's them and and Cincinnati for the AFC North division. Probably going to end up being going to Cincinnati when it's all said and done. But Baltimore, I mean, you're you're going to have trouble envisioning them winning a playoff game if their defense is is this poor. Yeah, giving up 18 fourth quarter points. So, yeah, that's just something to keep an eye on. But really encouraged by Jacksonville. You said it. I mean, they were up 19 to 10, and they gave up a 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to the Jags. Then they gave up a four-play, five-yard field goal after the one-play fumble. Then they gave up a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. And then the, uh, you know, um, with the two-point conversion, and then the Baltimore misses the field goal. Um I don't blame Lamar. Which, by the way, Justin Tucker, man, God, he almost made that. I know, sixty-seven yarder, unreal. Really is terrific. I um, I don't blame Lamar Jackson for this loss at all. I mean, the fumble's bad, but you you your defense should be able to handle situations like that. Your offense did score another touchdown after that, and you couldn't seal the deal. The Baltimore's got some real problems. Can they get it right between now and the playoffs? I don't know because, I mean, it, it seems like they're just schematically, things are just are broken uh, as far as get blowing huge leads. It's not the first time they've blown huge leads uh, this season. So I'm concerned about Baltimore in that regard. And for Jacksonville, this is a signature win. I mean, this is this is like, all right, program right direction, just kind of like I talked about with the Jags, I mean, with the Lions earlier. And I love that the Jags and Lions play each other next week. That'll be a fun matchup to watch. Um, but both teams feel like they're headed in the right direction. And Baltimore feels like defensively, I do not trust them at all right now, especially uh, in when they're coming down to the division between them and and the uh, and the the Bengals. Bengals defense looks great, and they're getting healthy at the right time. The Baltimore offense is, if it's not Andrews, it's like he has no one to throw to, and their defense is, as you mentioned, Swiss cheese. So concerns in Baltimore. And, you know, they did a lot of that without Travis Etienne, who went down with an injury early in the game. Yeah, that's uh, he's going to be fine, they said. Um, so nothing overly concerning there. But, yeah, that's uh, that's going to have to get ironed out if they want to make some sort of postseason run. Uh, speaking of two-point conversions, the Chargers get a win on a two-point conversion from Justin Herbert, who looked great uh, leading the, the team to a fourth-quarter heroics as well. And the Cardinals dropping one yet again. So that's that's a heartbreaking loss for Arizona. They're dead. That they really needed a win to kind of like help rewrite the narrative of like how their season's been going. Uh, and they almost did. They almost did get the win. But uh, 25-24 win for the Chargers. And, uh, you know, I think these types of performances, even if the Chargers, you know, don't get as far as they wanted to, or, you know, maybe even if they miss on the playoffs, uh, these are the types of things that'll come back and potentially give Brandon Staley another year at the helm. Yeah, he's in. Uh, listen, the Los Angeles Chargers' leading rusher for 38 yards was Justin Herbert. I've said this for a while now. I love Austin Eckler. I mean, my God, you need this Chargers offense needs a a running game. They are the Bills. I mean, they need a running game. 13 carries. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, 13 carries, 65 yards. Justin Herbert had to throw the ball 47 times. I mean, and he was great. And he Not was great good. down the stretch. Um, Tyler Murray 
if you're a Cardinals fan, um, this is similar to the Broncos in the sense that you have to stick with Kyler because you're financially gigantically invested in Kyler. The only way you move off of Kyler is if you as an organization feel like the locker room and everything is, is going anti Kyler, but pro clip. I don't know where the locker room's at. The move right now for the Cardinals feels like fire the coach, start fresh. But I think there is a case to be made if you're the Cardinals as well in saying, I think we made a huge mistake paying Kyler Murray the the money we paid him. And Kyler Murray in the trade market, there are teams that would be willing to find a way. You're not going to tell me that a team like the Jets, a team like the Commanders, there are some other teams out there, you know, if they don't get the number one pick, team like, uh, you know, a, a, an Atlanta and a, a Carolina. Carolina, yeah. Uh, Tampa, depending on what happens with Tom Brady. They all would, I mean, absolutely. Kyler Murray could be available. I don't I don't know. I think you have to stick with it, similar to the Broncos. It's a quarterback league. But, I mean, Kyler Murray is not worth the money, and he is proving. I mean, this was a huge year for Kyler to show, like, I'm, I'm that dude. I mean, we all made fun of him in the offseason with the with the with the contract basically saying you please study. And he looked terrible. I mean, 18 of 29, 191 yards, two touchdowns, interception, a quarterback rating uh below 90. It's just like yikes, it's bad. And you're you know, you're four and eight, four and nine, or whatever they are, four and eight. Yeah, it's four just, and eight. It, yep. it, One and six at home. Yeah. One I mean, and he, six at home. He's not good. And um, and uh they have they owe him a lot of money. They do. They do. That's I'm. That's going to be like that one is, of the key things to focus on going into next offseason. Let's be honest. It's the second year in a row that they've had to go to Colt McCoy for multiple games. So yeah, it's yeah. not even you can say that, well, at least he starts every game. You now have to build into Kyler Murray, and you're paying him going to be close to $50 million a year. You have to build in the fact that he's only going to play 15, 14 of your games. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you can't really have that when you're paying all that money for sure. Um, another overtime game, the Raiders win 40 to 34 at Seattle, oh, huge, oh, huge win for Vegas. Um, oh. but you know, you could blame this on Seahawks defense for just opening up, uh, you know, right up the middle and letting Josh Jacobs run 86 yards in overtime on a touchdown, long touchdown run. But Josh Jacobs, the long storied history that the Raiders have had the most scrimmage yards by a Raider player yeah. ever in the history of, uh, the Raiders organization over 300 yards all-purpose yards 229 yards rushing and over 70 receiving quite the game for him um and you know like Derek Carden played great I mean he had a couple picks in this one it was a rocky start for them as well um but you know comes back 25 to 36 uh gets a few the touchdowns wrong. there and kind of writes the wrongs and um you know Seattle kind of stops them on their track of of what you know, what they were building, uh, you know, Seattle's still fine. They're six and five, but it was a good win for the Raiders, even though they're at four and seven, they're probably not going anywhere. Not going to go to the playoffs. I doubt it. Um, but a, a statement win and they score 40 points. Like you can't, you got to be pleased overall with that. And if you're Seattle, I'm not panicking either. Cause it's, you know, it's one of those games where you were in it to the end, you go to overtime and you lost uh, there, you know, there's a lot to be encouraged about still for the Seahawks, given what they've done this year. 2-0 since Derek Carr cried. That's huge for the Raiders. And, and I mean, I'm dead serious. You're right. They're no, not, I know. That's, yeah. They're, 
But, I mean, remember, two weeks ago, we were literally like, what are the Raiders going to do? They can't fire their coach. They can't afford to fire their coach. McDaniels is terrible. Um, and now there's it, it a little bit of like, okay, let's breathe. Let's take a breath. We may not be in the worst shape after all. Like, we maybe these things are kind of figuring themselves out. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs. I don't know what they're going to do with him. The free agent running back class this year includes David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, uh, 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 Saquon Barkley. I mean, there's a lot of big names. There's going to be some good running backs looking to get some money in the open market this this offseason. Um, for Seattle, I feel similarly to how I feel about the Giants. This is a good team, but I do feel also like the juice has really been squeezed. And we are seeing kind of the upper limits of how much more can this team take? Where can they get to? Um, and, you know, for Seattle at this point in time, can they get to nine wins? Can they be the team that squeaks in the playoffs and steals one of the spots from those a- a- NFC East teams? Possibly, but it's going to take a lot more, you know, just kind of grit, run the football, uh, play some defense. You know, you can't give up 40 points. If you're Seattle, you can't win games like that. Geno's played well, but you can't win giving up 40 points. So it's going to rely more on the defense. They're still a, a great surprise this year, and they're headed in the right direction. I don't know what Seattle looks like in two years from now. But right now, if you're a Seahawks fan, you're kind of enjoying it still, I think. Um, and that's a tough loss. But if you're a Raiders fan, you do feel, I think, a little bit of a weight lifted. Okay. We the season and our franchise is on the brink of disaster, and we found a way to win two overtime games. Oh, okay. Uh, everything's not lost. Maybe, maybe this coach can put it together for the Raiders. It's all about going on a win streak here to kind of wrap up the season, kind of good vibes, find a way to get to, you know, six, seven wins, feel better about yourself going into next year. Yeah. And still some confidence in the direction that, that they're headed with uh, Josh McDaniels. Uh, The chiefs get a 26, 10 win at home over the Rams led by Bryce Perkins. Uh, not much really to say about this one. It looks like the Chiefs maybe are even getting more dangerous now with a running game led by Isaiah Pacheco, the rookie. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, interested to see kind of w- how many more opportunities he gets down the stretch because he he's really talented and he's kind of given them a new dimension of something that they haven't had for a couple of years, like the ability to actually like go up the middle and pound the rock yeah. when they need to. Uh, Travis Kelsey is still incredible. I mean, the guys, um, you know, there's not much more you could say about that. And uh, Mahomes only throws one touchdown, but it's really all they needed. They controlled the game from start to finish. So, yeah, not much to say on that. They're nine and two. Uh, They are in the driver's seat for that one seed, and uh, they are still and have been all year long. My favorites to win the Super Bowl, and and nothing has uh, made me waver on that uh, in recent weeks. So. Yeah, Sean McVay is in concussion protocol, and uh, thoughts, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, thoughts are with him. That was a, they replayed that way too many times through the game, but it was a bad game. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, you guys got to go uh, check that out on Twitter if you haven't seen it. It's really funny. Random nail on one of his line. players. That that player deserves a fine. I mean, he had no uh, an in team fine because it's like one of those things where it's just like, what are you doing, man? You, you gotta you gotta be paying attention. Um, <laughs> Head on a swivel. Yeah, I. I agree with you. The Chiefs are a juggernaut. The Chiefs are terrific. Um, the Chiefs, if if Pacheco adds this kind of like um, element to just downhill north-south running to help them out, uh, this is the time to establish it. I mean, um, Bell Belichick said it best. Football season doesn't start till after Thanksgiving. We're in after Thanksgiving. 
And the Chiefs came out and just got took care of business at home. Easy win. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league. He's the best player in the league. Uh, it wasn't a terrific day by him. It wasn't, you know, it was a down day by his standards, but they didn't need him to do much. They were able to run the ball 22 to give the rookie 22 carries. That's huge. I mean, that, that takes such a load off Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure he woke up feeling better this morning than he's felt in a, in a couple of weeks. And that's uh that's huge mentally too for chiefs team just to feel like, Hey, we can hand the ball off if we need to in a game 20 plus times to a back and be able to grind out a win. So good for them. For the Rams, again, rudderless. They they just need a reset. They need to just write off the rest of the year and and give one more real run with this core next year. That's that's all the Rams are doing at this point in time. And um and if I were them, it's hard to shut down a guy like Aaron Donald, but I would be limiting Aaron Donald as much as I can. And Jalen Ramsey, because the last thing you want is kind of what the Bears are dealing with now is like, uh-oh, two of our really good players who we can't wait for next year to be corner pieces. You know, uh, Mooney and and, and uh, uh, Jackson might have to have surgeries now. You don't want that to happen for the Rams. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna, their window is, you know, short. So I agree with you there. Next year, and that's it. The 49ers shut out the Saints at home, 13 to nothing. 49ers can win in a lot of ways in this kind yeah. of proof yet again. I mean, they can... They'll go toe-to-toe with you. Uh, it wasn't a flashy performance uh, across the board in in any which way. Uh, we'll see if Debo Samuel is able to, like, stay healthy and things like that. I think he got banged up again in this one. So did CMC and Elijah Mitchell. Uh, so they, they're, you know, not necessarily getting healthy at the right time, kind of going the opposite way there. But, you know, yet, yet again, they, they, they're able to get a win here and their defense uh, able to shut down the Saints entirely in this one 13 nothing win for san fran they're seven and four and uh you know nfc west uh, looking a little more interesting now yeah they are in the driver's seat for sure in my opinion in the nfc west they're playing great football that to me they are quickly becoming um the second best team in the nfc they got a little stretch here coming on up here and i think they can certainly prove that they are the second best team um i think the eagles i would take the eagles in a matchup against San Francisco right now, purely because that game will be in, in Philly if they play it at that level in the playoffs. So I think that really favors Philadelphia for the cross country trip for, um for the, uh, for the Niners. But uh, listen, they, they, you know, the saints team isn't, uh, isn't terrible. They're not the directs of the league and they were able to just completely control that game. I know it doesn't look like a blow. I mean, 13, nothing, but, they were in control from the first snap to the last snap and they, and they didn't lose control. Um, Jimmy G it is weird. Like they have the four touchdown Monday night game and then he comes back here and he's very quiet. But again, that just as you, to your point shows, they can win in a ton of different ways. Saints. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. If you're the saints, they're just a, it's a, they're in a weird spot. And I think the saints a lot like, um, you know, maybe the jets and some other teams where the saints are just gotta be, find a way to make themselves really attractive to the free agent quarterback slash trade quarterback market. Alave is a talent. Kamara is a talent. You know, Michael Thomas back next year. Try to find yourself a way to to be um, a, a destination. But I don't think Allen, the head coach, instills any confidence in if I was a quarterback looking to make a move. I don't think, I mean, he doesn't right now and still a ton of confidence that I'd want to go play for that guy. 
yeah, they, they've looked pretty flat all year long. And, and even defensively, as talented as they are, they haven't – it's not like they've been pretty, like really dominant uh, no. on defense uh, throughout the year, which is, you know, where he's supposed to thrive. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Uh, final game, Eagles at home over the Packers. Uh, 40 to 33 win very high scoring game in this one Aaron Rodgers ends up going to the bench uh we you know we heard he had that thumb injury uh then we were hearing uh you know this weekend that it was actually like a broken thumb is way more serious than we thought uh but he goes and plays and then he ends up hurting his oblique uh ribs area I uh, thought he said he thought he punctured his lung anyway uh, we're not entirely sure what it is or what the situation is moving forward, but Jordan Love comes in. He looked pretty decent. I mean, yeah, as but... decent as you can look against the Eagles defense, that's been one of the better units in football uh, this year. But at the end of the day, it was too much from Philadelphia. I mean, they ran the football and then ran the football and then ran the football down wow. their throats just when they knew it was coming. Yeah, uh, they uh, couldn't stop it. Over 300 yards on the ground for Philadelphia. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts is in some unique company. He is the only player in NFL history to have 125 rushing yards, 125 passing yards in a half of Whoa. football. That's the only player to ever do it. And then uh, he joined. I, I got to find it. it was like a list of like maybe five quarterbacks ever to have 150 yards passing and 150 yards rushing. In the same game, he joins just Michael Vick, Colin Kaepernick, and Lamar Jackson to have those. So that's that's kind of surprising. He did 125 and 125 and a half. And, uh, you know, so he's the only one to do that and then the only one to, to do the 150 and 150. So Jalen Hurts, a superstar. I mean, to me, he's got a – to me, he's still the front runner for the MVP this year. I know a lot of people want Tua in there. But the Eagles are 10-1. and one. Almost certainly in large part, if not exclusively, uh, by the improvements of Jalen Hurts uh, in this team. I mean, the defense has been yeah. great. Don't get me wrong. Defense I want to take away from some of the, the other players here. But Jalen's been the driver uh, of that uh, record and that run so far. He's playing yeah. out of his mind. Listen, Jalen, he's gotten them there. Jalen Hurts right now is a top 10 quarterback in the league, and I don't think there's any question about it. I do think Jalen Hurts is still young and can improve. Like there are moments when he needs to make the easier stuff look a little easier. Like where's Jalen Hurts like really kind of methodically being able to move a team down the field. But right now he doesn't need to do that because he's so explosive running. You just get giant chunks. You don't need to move methodically. And his deep ball passes to his really great wide receiving core are beautiful. I mean, that back th shoulder throw, so what's his name? Yeah, Devontae uh, Smith, I think. Yeah, but then um, the other one, not not uh oh, what's the other wide receiver's was name? Was it AJ Brown? Oh, it wasn't uh, AJ Brown. It was oh god, look it up. But it was it was the touchdown. Oh, Quest Watkins. Wa yes, yes, yeah. Watkins. I mean, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, incredible in the corner, right at the pylon, uh, thirty yards uh, from the end zone. He so Jalen Hurts is is terrific, and he is absolutely also though a guy that's all in. I mean, you don't worry about him the way you worry about Kyler Murray. Right. All in. And so um, the Eagles, I love the Eagles. I think they're so much fun to watch. I think they play such a great brand of football. And they are what I want my Chicago Bears to become. So, like, I look at them and I see, like, oh, okay. The blueprint. That's the blueprint. We need to become that. Uh, and so uh, it's it's really, really been entertaining to watch. And for the Packers, 
if if I were the Packers right now, they are in a very similar situation, I think, to the Broncos and to the Cardinals. There's something not working between the coach and the quarterback. I think it's more than Aaron's injuries. This team has zero identity. This team has zero toughness. This team has zero just like energy. Every time you see the Packers come out, it just looks like everyone's like, oh, like this is just, it, don't, it doesn't seem like anyone wants to be there. I don't know if it's the floor or it's Rodgers, but I feel like you cannot go into next year if you're a Packers fan and feel good that it's Lafleur is your coach and Rodgers is your quarterback. I don't know how, and because de- defensively they've spent so much money, so much draft picks on the defense, and the defense is bad. Lafleur is an offensive guy, but his offense is bad. So I I just don't know if you're the Packers. I'm, I know you're going to say Mark's a hater. He's a Bears fan. I would not feel comfortable as a Packers fan today. If you told me that next year you're starting the season with Lafleur as your coach and Rodgers as your quarterback, I'd be comfortable with one of them and the other one gone. I would always lean towards the quarterback, but I think I think maybe what you do if you're the Packers right now, you say, Aaron, get the thumb healed, get the oblique healed, take two weeks off. We're going to start Jordan Love next week against the Bears, and we're going to give him a chance against that really bad defense to see what he can do. And, you know, we know Aaron Rodgers would light it up against the Bears. This is a chance for the Packers to see if Jordan Love's got anything. Um, if you're not going to do it against the Bears then and that horrible defense, then you you have to move on from Jordan Love. So I think it's smart. It would be really smart for them. They're not making the playoffs. Season's done. Rodgers should not be playing this injured. And then if you're the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, you got to figure out if you're playing next year, do you want to play full of floor next year? Or do you want us to move you? Because the contract becomes movable. It's a lot of money, but it, you know you can start to try to figure that out. It's a it's a weird season in 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 uh, in Green Bay, and and in my opinion, I would be not excited about starting the season next year as a Packers fan with Lafleur and Rodgers and and trying this again because it did not work this year. Unless you go out and get a bunch of great free agent wide receivers, and 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 continue to improve the offensive line. What makes you think it's going to work next year? Yeah, I have a feeling they're going to dig their heels in, but I agree it's probably not the decision that they they need to go with. But they've got quite a few decisions to make uh, yeah. you know, coming up here. But four and eight, things are not looking good in Green Bay right now. All right, any thoughts on this riveting Monday night matchup we have between only, the Steelers and the Colts? Only thought is I haven't yet watched Jeff Saturday coach a game. You know, going to be like it's only been a couple of games. I haven't had that on the main TV. And I haven't watched Kenny Pickett like in full. I've watched like, oh, a quarter of Kenny Pickett, like flipping back and forth. I've watched highlights of Kenny Pickett. So that's what the nation needs to watch for tonight. Make an opinion on Kenny Pickett, and we can make an opinion on Jeff Saturday. And uh, and we'll discuss it, uh, you know, maybe next week a little bit or, or, you know, we'll have to have some thoughts on it. Super Bowl playing really quickly before we go. I can unveil it. it. First class this week, I bumped the Bills back up. Chiefs, Eagles, Bills. I feel the vibes are good in Buffalo. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt heading into this really important three-game stretch in their division. Business class, Dolphins, Bengals, Niners, Cowboys. All of those teams right now, if you told me if they were in their championship game, I'd be like, not really surprised. You know, things had to break their way maybe for them to get to their championship game, but I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams were in their championship game. And then economy class, again, as you know, is these are teams that are playoff-worthy teams, but I don't see them making a championship game or a Super Bowl. Vikings, Titans, Ravens, and I'll give a shout-out. 
to the Commanders this week. Oh, Washington Maybe, getting some love. I'll, like give them, I'll give them a shout out. Very nice. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. Week 13 is on the docket next. But until next time, this is the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan signing off. Ooh.